In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever, and unto the ages of all ages, Amen. Funny that the Church should put this Gospel of the temptation of Christ for us now. You ask yourself, I wonder, I wonder what the logic is there. Um, that you, we know that the Church uh, puts the same Gospel from the Gospel of Luke, uh, from the Gospel of Matthew, pardon me, um, at the very beginning of Lent, telling us that fasting and prayer are going to bring about victory, but they're going to bring about victory through temptation. Jesus was victorious, but he was only victorious because he was tempted. He wasn't victorious uh, on a bright blue sky day. He was victorious over certain trials. He was uh, tried and he was found to be victorious. So the church has put this for us. Um, now, around now will always be the fast of the apostles, telling us what it says in the wisdom of Sirach, chapter 2, verse 1, which says, says, My son, if you wish to follow the Lord, or some other translations say, if you wish to serve the Lord, prepare yourself for temptation. Or some other versions say, prepare yourself for trials. Nonetheless, the point is this. The point is, is that when we set ourselves to follow God, we should expect that there may be some trouble. But I'm here to share words of comfort for you if you have encountered some of these troubles. Unfortunately, several people in our congregation have encountered all kinds of trials. Someone just called me this morning about, about um, being assaulted and someone a couple of weeks ago and a variety of different a variety of, of, of different things that have happened in the last while and it's so timely it's so timely and I'm not saying that it's you know because of the fast of the Apostles that these things are happening but rather I'm saying that if we set our minds to follow God we should expect some kind of, of um, we should expect some kind of opposition. In fact, this is one of the proofs that there is a spiritual world and that there is spiritual warfare. And that once we set ourselves to follow God, we find that there is some obstacles that are set before us. Just the same way as when I decide to go to the gym. The day that I decide to go to the gym or the day that I decide to start eating well or the day that I decide and so on is the day that Krispy Kreme is going to start giving away free donuts. It's always like that, right? That's just the way it works. And we have to expect that. And we have to expect, we have to expect when we embark on something new, and my friends in the congregation that are engineers are always talking to me about risk mitigation, and they're always talking to me about contingency time and plan planning for what you didn't have a chance to plan for, right? And making, making room for that, right? And that's what we, we all need to do when we, set our minds to follow God, when we set our minds to be His disciples, when we set our minds to be filled with His Spirit and useful for Him and useful for His kingdom, we should expect temptation. I told the story once before, but maybe I'll just share it with you again. Long time ago, um, uh, I had a, a friend, a childhood friend that I grew up with, um, and um, I heard that he had quit his job to become a missionary in Rwanda during the Rwandan genocide. And so he was there serving in, 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 in Rwanda. Um, and 
uh, I had somehow fallen upon some money and I thought to myself, you know, I can't think of a better place to send this money than to him. So uh, I got in touch with his, his parents, they're old family friends of ours. I got in touch with his mom and she, she gave me his number. I called him a bazillion times before I was ever able to reach him. And finally, and this and that and so on. He picks up the phone and I'm about to tell him I'm about to tell him that uh, you know I'd like to send him some some money for the work that he's doing there and to support him in his work that he's doing there and such, and he uh, he he says to me this is long long before priesthood this is like 2000, 2008 maybe something ten years ago anyways, um, and as I start talking with him he start, starts asking me about my life and about how things are going. And I told him, you know, things are good and this and that, but I've fallen on some, some particular difficulties and so on, but I'm, I, you know, uh, and this and that, and I'm a bit discouraged and this and that. And he laughed. He laughed when I told him I was discouraged. He said to me, he said to me, so when you set your mind to follow God, do you think that, you're, that it's going to come for free? Do you think like all the hosts of darkness are just going to watch you? They're going to applaud you. They're going to, as, as you walk down the center aisle to, uh, to do the will of the Lord, do you think they're, they're just going to smile upon that? He said, in fact, I've learned, he said, it, it, I didn't, no one taught me this, he, t he said to me, but I've learned to see opposition as confirmation that I'm on, I'm on the right path. And then he said something to me which I'll never forget. And it's because he said it to me in the circumstances that he said it to me. Me saying it to you will not carry nearly the same weight even if I were to use the same words. He said to me, when you are in the heart of darkness and the last glimmer of hope has just gone out and it's the darkest moment of the night, you must know that the morning star is just about to shine. The champion of heaven and he said to me, John, what is the one thing in the whole world that would make you the happiest to see with your own two eyes? The happiest thing in the whole wide world that you could see. If you saw this, it would make you happier than anything else that you saw. Is it not the Lord Jesus Christ? So, the champion of heaven himself has promised to come and rescue you. If you've reached the darkest moment of your life, then you know that dawn is just about to break and the happiest moment of your life is just about to happen. Hearing that from somebody who was homeless, who has no electricity, he would go to the mayor and, and beg him to, to charge his phone so he'd leave his phone there. No running water and he's trying to run a school. He's trying to collect the children that have been rendered homeless by the genocide and fatherless and run a school for them to hear those words from that person made the world of a difference in my life Jesus says blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven but you're gonna say but but father John like we heard in the synaxarium st. Thomas and st. Thaddeus and you know they devoted their lives to Christ they were apostles they went, went to India they went to Persia this and that and then they were martyred like that's great so I clearly see that they should they should rejoice they should say yes I am happy blessed means happy happy are you who are persecuted for righteousness sake they should they have every reason to be happy because they know that that this they know that this promise applies to them. But 
but I'm just, uh, I'm just me. Like I just go to work, I just go to school, I just do my thing. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not like one of the 70 apostles or one of the 12 disciples or I'm just, I'm just a, your bread and butter, you know, everyday Christian trying to live a Christian life. No, 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 no. God doesn't have, God doesn't have categories of Christians. He doesn't have categories of Christians. Yes, in the church, we have a hierarchy to have some order, like the epistle to the Corinthians was telling us that our God is a God of order, as in all the churches of God. So yes, we have a patriarch, and we have bishops, and, 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 and we have hegomens, and we have priests, and deacons, and so on. We have... So this is just for there to be an order in the church. But our Sunday series, which I'm not going to get into now, is going to be talking about how every member of the body is essential. Not just useful, but essential. And there's no such thing, there's no such thing as a part of the body of Christ which is less essential or less important than another. And if one is missing, that difference is felt. So. You who are living in the world, trying to live your Christian life, trying to love your enemies, trying to bless those who persecute you. This applies to you. Jesus promised us, in the world you will have tribulation. He promised us, in the world you will have tribulation. But he also was tempted, and like it said very clearly in the Gospel of Luke, it's not as clear in the Gospel of Matthew, when the devil had ended every temptation. So we often refer to these as the three temptations of Christ. But there are so many more that are not written, because it says, and when he had ended every temptation, he left him until an opportune time. You see, Christianity is not following Jesus, Jesus is, he died, rose from the dead, went to heaven, and so we're kind of just following him at a distance. No. No, not Christianity, not as I understand it. Maybe you understand something different. Maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. But what I know is that when I, when I entered the baptistry, John died. And out of the baptistry came the Lord Jesus Christ. And everything that applies to Jesus applies to me. And my salvation is found not in living my life, you know, and as a kid, and my parents would tell me, you can't do this and you can't do that. I tell them, you know, to get lost, it's my life. No, it's not my life. My life ended there. I'm dead. Now, I'm living the life of Christ. So everything that happened to Jesus, I should expect that everything, all of that, will happen to me. And I should also expect that all of the victory of Jesus is mine. The whole life of Christ. Not cherry-picking. Resurrection without the cross. Never. It can never happen. Jesus has the Last Supper with his disciples. He washes their feet. They go to Gethsemane. And then he rises from the dead. No. How is he going to rise from the dead if he's alive? It's all together. In this world, you will have tribulation. 
Guess what? Jesus had tribulation. Guess what? Jesus was tempted. Guess what? Jesus says, if they hated me, they will hate you. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. It doesn't have to be because you're a missionary in India like St. Thomas. It doesn't have to be because you're a missionary in Rwanda with orphan children. It can simply be because you're doing what was in the Catholic epistle. You're living according to the truth. Many, many, many people who work in corporate Toronto come to me and tell me that they feel like they don't know how to do their job and still be honest. And there's a multitude of examples that we won't belabor, we won't belabor the point with today. If I choose to live by Jesus' commandments, I expect tribulation, I expect trouble, but I expect victory. So if, if you, like me once upon a time, if you, like my friend who is there in Rwanda, see the darkest moment of your life, know that the darkest moment of the night comes just before dawn, just as the last star has disappeared from the sky, just as the din of the moon has become so dim it can hardly be seen, dawn breaks forth. And that's how it is. And, and that's how it is. So it's your choice and mine whether we choose to fix our eyes on the cross, whether we choose to fix our eyes on the persecution, on the hardship, or whether we choose to fix our eyes on the anticipated resurrection, on the anticipated victory, on the anticipated victory of Christ over temptation, on the anticipated victory of Christ over illness and disease and death. Each one of us has that choice. St. John is telling us in his epistle, fix your eyes on the truth. Choose to believe in things which your eyes have not yet seen. That's what faith is. Choose to believe that all of the evil that you witness around you, a witness, God forbid, being done to you, is part and parcel of the cross of Christ and is, is the, the prologue, is the preamble, is the introduction, is the beginning of the resurrection and endless power and life and joy and light forevermore. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. I have sinned. Forgive me. My fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters, please pray for me.